Amen. Okay, so today, as we were just talking about in the open mic time, uh, wilderness, wilderness, don't you want to go? Is everybody ready to go into the wilderness? And some of us say, no way, I don't want to go into the wilderness. That's where creepy, crawly, dark things are, and I don't want to be there. Um, I find myself that way. My own personality is I hate the wilderness. I don't want to go near the wilderness. Um, I want to be where things are happy, and I want to be around people who are happy. Um, But what as we're going to see today, that the wilderness and going into the wilderness is good. It's good. We resist it, yet it's very, very good. The wilderness speaks to us, and we hear voices that fight against our own ego in the wilderness, and they say say things to us like, you're going to die in this wilderness. You are a failure, and that's why you got into this wilderness after all. It was your fault. And as we see Jesus here in just a moment, as looking at our text in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness by God, and he hears a different voice. He hears the, the tempting voice of Satan, spewing nothing but lies, but he also hears God's voice reminding him of things in the wilderness. And so that's what we want to look at today. Uh, let me uh, read the scripture, and then we'll take a, a silent moment of quiet reflection right after we hear the scripture, and then we'll, then we'll pray and get started. It printed for us here. When Jesus also had been baptized, he was praying, and the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let's just pause for a moment of quiet reflection after that and just ask God to to speak to you. Father God, help us. Help us uh, during this Lent season uh, not to be fooled into thinking that that we're missing something. If we just had something else in our life, life would be good. Let us remember that, that we have access to all that you are And we do. We grieve right in the midst of our own wilderness. And we pray that you would give us us yourself. Give us yourself and the peace that comes from you. 
We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Notice with me, the very, notice with me at the very beginning here, God's love. God's love. Yes, we're stepping into the wilderness, and it is pretty gnarly. There's lots of things in that wilderness, like grief, loss, loss of a loved one, loss of a family member, death, fear of a dream never even happening, frustration with not being at a point in life where you thought you'd be, playing all your cards right, and yet things still not working out the way that it should have Seeing injustice, racism, and newer and newer shades of classism explode all around us. Give us strong evidence that we are indeed in a wilderness. We're in a wilderness. But notice God's love that surrounds Jesus and surrounds you in your wilderness. Very first verse that we read there. When Jesus also had been baptized, he was praying, and the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven came and said to Jesus, You are my beloved Son. That is your identity. You are loved. You are loved. It sounds so simple, but before we even start thinking about our own wilderness experience, it has to be framed with remembering your identity that you are loved by God, cherished, beloved, he calls you. Did anyone read the book, The Missing Piece? It was published in 1976. It was a kid's book. I didn't read it as a kid, but in high school, I remember us looking at this book, getting some nods of some heads here that read this book. Uh, Basically, it can be read on many different levels, uh, but it's essentially a circle (laughs) that's missing a piece, and this circle in the book is just rolling, zooming around, looking for its missing piece. It's quite creatively done, and um, it's it's essentially saying something like, our ego can't rest when we know that we lack something. There's something that we feel that we lack, there's something that we, we either wanted or we know we're made for, and so off we go, looking for it. And there's the missing piece, the circle, that's depicted in this book. There's literally a piece cut out of the circle. And it zooms around, and essentially, um, we really don't come to awareness of that until there's a crash. When we crash into something that doesn't work for us. Or there's a situation that we're going through and things just aren't going right, or there's more pain than we ever imagined, we finally have a crash. And that crash alerts us, as it does circle in the book here, that something else is going on. Um, we too are tempted to believe, just like the circle. I'm broken. I don't have all that I need around me. I'm missing something. There's got to be something else that I can add on to my life or fit into this busy life of mine that will give me exactly what I need. There's an illusion of feeling cut off or distant from each other or from God. And the Psalms, the Psalms speak about this often. Uh, There's one psalm in particular where David talks about feeling like the water has risen above his neck and he can't breathe. He feels like God is distant. Uh, You may think about quicksand in your wilderness. You may think about this rising flood of water called anxiety, depression, darkness, ambiguity that keeps rising and rising and rising and I just can't find a way out of it. And so the voices that we hear say, fix it, escape it. Buy your way out of it. 
Think your way out of it. Be in denial. And God's design for us is that the wilderness, this is going to sound really strange, but the wilderness would be good. The wilderness would be good for us. That the wilderness would indeed shape our hearts. Lest we become busy and busy and busy busy like the circle looking for that missing piece. Because we've all found the missing piece, right? And when we found it, it let us down. And we keep rolling. We keep rolling and rolling just like the circle does in the book. Looking desperately. Yet resting in God's deep love. God's love for us. It's the only way, like it's being, being stripped of everything else that we're looking for for comfort. That's when we know God's love. It's only when we're suffering do we know God's um, comfort and peace. Uh, it's only when we're lonely do we really feel God's presence. Jesus has a deep knowledge of, be, of belonging with God. Jesus, Jesus knows that he, he belongs deeply to the Father, that this is his identity. And yet, if you look at verse 1 here, it's God who leads us into the wilderness. Again, if you're thinking, if you're processing, you, you've got to be saying right now, wait a minute, I thought God loved us. We just talked about that. If God loves me, why in the world is he going to be leading me into something that's going to like tear me apart and utterly destroy me? Verse 1, it says that God leads Jesus into the wilderness. This word 40, or the number 40 here that's mentioned here, that Jesus is in this wilderness for 40 days. Wow, this word 40, the number 40 is used throughout Scripture to basically mean trouble, hardship. Think back with me at Genesis chapter 9, the flood. It says, it says, it says that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses spent 40 days at Mount Sinai receiving the law. After Israel's sin with the golden calf, Moses then spends another 40 days in prayer on behalf of Israel, who just fell into sin, worshiping this golden calf. The Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years before entering the promised land. This doesn't mean you should fear turning 40. Uh, it's not related to age. Uh, Goliath taunted Saul's army for 40 days before David arrived to slay Goliath. Pain and suffering before deliverance. Jesus is fasting 40 days before his encounter with Satan. Uh, remember too that Jesus is continually going back to the wilderness. Wilderness experience isn't just once in your life. It's not like I was sent here because I did something bad and I got to figure out what God's trying to teach me and once I get it, I'll graduate and I'll be out and I'll never go back to that place again. I'm done with it. Those of us who are smiley face happy, that's the way we typically think through things. Jesus goes to the wilderness repetitively in the New Testament. Usually after performing a great miracle. Usually after healing someone, Jesus is found retreating, going back to the wilderness to be alone with God. He's hungry for God to speak to him. He knows that's where his strength is going to come from. So maturity in Christ... That's what you desire, and that's what I desire. This is the next step for you and for me. The wilderness. Welcome to the wilderness. This is our growth. This is God's cadence and the rhythm of worship and the rhythm of life 
for us. The, the wilderness is a, a season of soul-searching. It's a season of self-examination. It's a process of growth that does include doubt, frustration, ambiguity, pain, anxiety. And so the application here for us is when you find yourself in the wilderness, the very first thing to do is to admit that you are indeed in the wilderness. Playing happy, playing change the subject, playing let's get busy, playing I'll fix it, playing those games won't help. The very first thing that helps is to simply acknowledge I'm in the wilderness. It is not looking good right now. And we reference the book of Psalms because the psalmist David is very, very mature in just naming it what it is. God, it feels like you are so distant. Jesus himself on the cross, especially during Lent season, as we're thinking about this Jesus on the cross, where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Meaning, why is it that you won't come to my aid and my rescue, like right now? What are you planning? What's going on with the plan? Do you have a plan? And the psalmist in Psalm 139, verse 8, reminds us, he says, If I go up to the heavens, Lord God, you are there. If I descend into the depths, God, you are there. You are there, God. You are with me. Have compassion on yourself when you're in the wilderness. Have compassion on yourself. Some of us have gotten really good at critiquing, self-critique, beating ourselves up just because we landed somehow in the wilderness. Remember, it's not a somehow. Jesus was led. Look at it. Jesus was led into the wilderness by God himself. God leads you into the wilderness. Let's notice here, though, what we're tempted to believe, though, when we get into the wilderness. That's what I want to talk about now is some things that we're tempted to process and think and feel when we get into the wilderness and then how God speaks to us in the wilderness. First one is, I did something wrong to get here. This is a punishment. If I would have just done more spiritual exercises, if I would have just been good to my roommate, or if I would have just given more money, or if I would have just done these things, this wouldn't have happened to me because certainly I took a wrong turn. And unlike in a physical car that we drive where we can fix it kind of quickly and admit, yep, I made a wrong turn, the wilderness is so, so drastically different. Um, And this just encouragement here that the wilderness is not a punishment. The wilderness is not a punishment. I can't tell you how, how much of just simply being an American or even Western thought is. If you do the right things, good things will happen to you. If you make bad decisions, you're going to land in the wilderness. Guaranteed. That's not a biblical thought. Sin definitely, and choosing sin, will get you into a different type of wilderness called a desert. But the wilderness experience isn't because you deserved it and you did something wrong. It's not because there was some mistake on your part and it's not punishment. Another thing that we're tempted to believe is that God brought me here to kill me. I knew it. You play inside, and I know that may sound harsh, but if you're really honest with yourself and it's really gotten dark, we're really tempted to believe this sometimes. 
God is really trying to trick me. It's a big joke. I don't know if I can trust him. And if this is already sounding like, oh my God, that sounds really, go read the Psalms. Go read the Psalms where the psalmist is really, really honest. God, what are you up to? What's going on right now? Can I trust you? Can I know that you're good? Can I have assurance that even though everything around me is screaming the exact opposite of that, how can I know for sure? How can I know that I know that I know? God is with us in the wilderness. God is with you in your wilderness. God loves you in your wilderness. God provides for you in your wilderness. And God speaks to us through his word like in no other place than in the wilderness. Here's another one. No one cares about me. That's a thought process that we may have or a temptation that we may be tempted with when we're in, in this wilderness. No, no one's listening to me. No one understands what I'm going through. Uh, you may remember a prophet called Elijah in the Old Testament really, really needed to get some things off of his chest, really needed to be honest with God and to express his complaint to God. And he, and he, and he wants to commune with God. And so Elijah goes to the wilderness. He goes into the wilderness to meet with God. And, and God is not afraid of Elijah's anger. And God is not afraid of your anger and your frustration, and your grief, and your wilderness that you may be going through. That's the way we need to view God. It's not like I'm in the wilderness and God would never understand me. Like all of my friends, they just don't get me. God's led me into this wilderness to communicate with me and wants me to express exactly my human condition to God. Notice, though, about Elijah's story that before God begins to even converse with Elijah... God knows that Elijah has physical needs. God tells him to go take a nap. God feeds him. God gives him food and water and sleep. And some of us need that. Some of us don't need to forget our physicality and our human condition, that we have weaknesses and limits, and we need more margins that we give ourselves. Elijah discovers that God listens to his story, and God listens tenderly to Elijah's story. And he discovers that God is not in the fire. You remember this story? Elijah's like looking for God and wanting to meet God, and he realizes God isn't in this fire or in this earthquake over here or the wind over here, but God is in the silence. God is actually in the silence. As mystical and, and, and weird almost as that seems, and unattainable as that seems, God is so present in ways that Elijah nor myself or you can even understand. But God is there in the wilderness with us. Application is create moments when you are still before God. Create moments throughout your day and your week when you can just be still. I need to hear this. I need to be told this repetitively. It's not in our busyness that we meet with God. It's in being still. The psalmist again, Psalm 46, 1, he says, be still and know that I am God. You catch that? It's in being still. That's when we're going to truly acknowledge and meet with God. Yet for many of us, we're afraid. We're afraid to be still for longer than five minutes. 
fear overcomes us. I might hear something. God actually might speak to me and tell me. God, God might change my direction. God might um, lead me in some way that I might not be anticipating. Lastly, let's look at God deals with sin in the wilderness. God deals with sin in the wilderness. The wilderness is a place of temptation. Jesus is being tempted. Jesus is being tempted. And there's a great hallelujah chorus that erupts right here as we think about Jesus being tempted because Jesus didn't fall or didn't succumb to the temptation of Satan. We need to celebrate that. We have a Savior that was tempted in every way, every possible way known to man, just as you and I are, yet he did not sin. His perfect righteousness. Verse 3. Look at the craftiness here of, of your greatest enemy in this life, Satan, the devil. He comes up to Jesus and, and notice the word here, if. If you are indeed the Son of God, he says to Jesus. The audacity of Satan to have Jesus begin to doubt his own godness, his own relationship with God. And he does that to you, by the way. He wants you and he wants me to think, uh, you know what, you're not even really connected with God. You're just a big poser. You think you're close to God, but you're really not. Think about your week. All that's called shame, by the way. That's one of the devil's and Satan's great, fun little tools that he uses on us. And so he says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God. So the devil tempts you and me to think that you're severed from God. You're severed. That's why you're in this wilderness, right? You're severed. You didn't do things right. And what we need to remember is that we were in Christ before the foundations of the world. So says Ephesians chapter 1. That's what we need to run to. That we are wrapped up in Christ, in God. So says Colossians. That nothing can separate you from the love of God. So says the book of Romans. And that as Jesus says, I am in God and God is in me and you are in me. That we're in union with God. My wilderness, whether it's my choice through my own sin or my own suffering that I'm going through in my wilderness, cannot, will never separate me from God as Satan wants me to think that it will. So I want us to imagine the the, the Spirit of God filling you the Spirit, it's what the passage is saying here, that the Spirit of God is filling Jesus. He's led into this wilderness. Imagine that for yourselves. That the Spirit of God is living inside of you. He's for you. Verses 3 and 4. Now we're getting to the stone to bread, right? This is another temptation that's thrown at Jesus. Basically, how this relates to us is take care of your own needs. Take care of your own needs. He says to Jesus, you know, if you just turn that stone into bread, you'll, I know you're hungry. You'll have what you need. Just do it. Just take care of it. And for us, that's basically the translation of how it works. My needs aren't being met. Waiting on God, boy, this just takes so long. I'm just going to, I'll work it out. I'll figure it out. I'll do it myself. Jesus turns towards God. Jesus believes that there's this bread that's going to come from somewhere. He's human. It's got to come from somewhere. And that God will deliver. God will give it to him. And so it's a powerful move from independence to dependence. That's what's happening here. 
The next temptation, verse 8. Or look at this, how Jesus quotes a verse back to the devil. <laughs> Similar to what uh, Moses ends up saying to the people when they enter the promised land, and they're given all this stuff that they didn't deserve, and yet there's this temptation of those people to say, hey, look what we did. We got rescued because we were so smart and so meticulous at detail, and look at us. And Moses said to those people, be careful. You should worship the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. Jesus is saying, don't forget the Lord your God. Worship the Lord your God alone. Verse 9, Satan's back to his same tricks again. He didn't, learn, he didn't learn the lesson yet. If, he says, verse 9, if you are the Son of God, tempting Jesus again with Jesus' identity, tempting you with your identity, if you are the Son of God. Verse 10, he says, take yourself up and the angels will rescue you. Basically, take all that's yours, make it happen. It's all about you. And here, Jesus is refusing to believe that if he takes control of the situation, but rather he entrusts his future with God. So much so that Jesus believes that even if he dies, God will still provide for him. And that's exactly what ends up happening. The conclusion, I love to point this out here, verse 11. Uh, Jesus doesn't fall into Satan's other poke here. There's one last little jab. Uh, Basically, Satan is saying, uh, dash your foot upon a rock. And it's essentially a cliche that means that someone else will take offense at you, Jesus. You wouldn't want that to happen. Certainly, you'd want to please them all. Certainly, you'd want them all to be happy. You might piss off a bunch of people. Jesus, they'll reject you. And here's the point. Jesus doesn't have a problem with that. Jesus doesn't have a problem with you getting angry at him. Jesus doesn't have a problem with you doubting what he's up to. Jesus is secure in leading us in this wilderness. Jesus on the cross, though, in mercy would say, forgive them. Forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them, for they know not what they do, Jesus is saying of you. Beloved is where we begin and where we enter the wilderness and how we even come out of the wilderness. That simple word, beloved. This is right where this conversation started. Beloved. My son in whom I am well pleased, God says to Jesus. Be reminded of that. Be reminded, beloved. Beloved, beloved, I love you. I'm for you. Yes, the wilderness has pain in it. Yes, the wilderness has darkness and creepy crawly things that we would rather not deal with. But I am there. I am for you. I'm with you. I'm leading you through this. And it's on this path that there will be hope and there will be rest. I promise you, God says. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we invite you to to lead us, not only in the wilderness, but but lead us out. And Jesus, we look to you right now as the the only one who who can lead us into the wilderness and not cause harm to